0: All right. What is up y'all? Uh got Tessa from uh well, DC, Washington DC, and um she's uh with Baked and Wired and they've got several concepts uh phenomenal business. We're lucky to serve them, I've served them for a while. Um really cool family business uh, that she's a part of and uh just I'm extremely, extremely excited to talk to you, Tessa, because, I mean, I've, like I said, I told you before we started recording this, you know, we, I've known who y'all are for a while. Um, We're we're proud to serve y'all. I've read great things about y'all. I've heard great things about y'all. You're extremely kind. We tried to do this a couple months ago. You were on some awesome trip to upstate New York with some girlfriends. So we, 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 we punted. And uh, it's a good thing because I know it's a slower time of year for y'all now anyway. So thank you very much for being here.
1: Oh, it's so great to be here, Will. Thank you.
0: You are. Uh, you've got the best smile. You just. I've been watching you just <laughs> sitting there. smiling all day. What are you so happy about? You What's know, when on? you
1: grow up in this industry, I mean, we opened Baked Wired. I was ten years old. You, I was just front of house my whole life. I think that's probably why you just learned to smile, and and that's just business.
0: <laughs> that's so awesome. So you were ten. It, was it? Did your mom and dad start it?
1: Yes. So my mom and dad opened Bates & Wired. We're actually coming up on 20 years of Bates & Wired. So I was uh, nine, actually nine years old when it opened. Um, And my brother's two years older. So we, we grew up just running around Bates & Wired. Um, At the time, they actually had a a small graphics company. So they did copies and graphic design and and that sort of thing, faxing back in the day. Um, And It was the late nineties and paper was going down and people were just getting that stuff in their own offices. They didn't need to come and get a copy anymore. They didn't need to go scan or fax anything. Um, So they were like, what can we do? What kind of business can we run? And my mom was just like, I can bake. I learned how to bake growing up. I always baked for my big family. My dad's always been very entrepreneurial and business-minded and grew up drinking coffee. And so they were like, let's just do a, a little bakery and coffee shop. And so they took... Part of the, and it's still the same building, but part of it was all of what Bechon Wired was, and they still did copies on one side, um, and they just opened up shop. They'd never worked in restaurants, they'd never went to culinary school, um, no food and or beverage expertise at all. Just kind of a drive to do it, and a need in the neighborhood for sure. There was they worked in Georgetown, uh, which is where Bechon Wired is located in Washington D.C., a small a really historic, beautiful neighborhood. Um, and they would worked there for years and years and years. And there's nowhere to get a good cup of coffee. And there's nowhere to get a good baked good that wasn't like wrapped in cellophane from Costco. So um, they kind of just said, let's just do this. Uh, and they they went for it. And so, you know, when it started, it was just a small, you know, 300 square foot little place. And then eventually, it, in an organic process, it got more popular, more popular. And it took over the existing space that was the the, the copy shop before. So that's the Beige and Wired origin story.
0: That's so cool. And then you so you and your brother grew up in the business and you're both, are you both involved in the business?
1: Yes. So we're both still involved in the business. Uh, we, we both had our first jobs there. You know, I'd be washing dishes in the back. Uh, I was making cookie dough balls. I was making dog treats. I was washing the lettuce for salads that my mom would do to go, uh, I was a barista. I sold cupcakes. I, I did everything. Um, and went off to college, both of us, we'd come back for summers and work there. And it was always just the best time. And we always had the best group of people working there. It was always family. It was always fun. It was my favorite job, always coming back to, and both of us graduated college and kind of did our own thing for a little bit. And this found was just coming back to the business cause we loved it. And for me, I, um, really wanted to learn about small business and i was a psychology major and anyone who's a psychology major or has kids who were thinking about it you know everyone says well what are you going to do with that degree and so i knew i'd have to go back to school for a very long time i'd have to get a graduate degree or phd at that point so i thought why don't i just go back to going and learn about small business if it's not for me i go back to school but this is where i've always been happy this always has brought me so much joy let's just give it a shot and that was you know nine years ago so here i am still um and and my brother had a similar story he he actually went to art school and he was traveling around he was doing murals he was doing art and he came back to dc just out of a curiosity and loved working there too and he also ended up staying and then we kind of built these other businesses together and ended up working all together so it's a it's a true
0: Man, God, that's amazing. So they didn't have any experience and they built the successful business. You've all been there for all these years. You and your brother are both dialed in with this thing. Um, did you, well, clearly you have the entrepreneurial gene. I mean, even, even though they started, I mean, I can tell you've got that in you. I'm sure your brother does too. And you all have grown the uh, business. You now have three, are all three of your concepts all together there in the same building or same area or?
1: They're all in Washington DC, but all different areas. So when we opened the second location, that was after I was back for a couple of years, um, we we'd always gotten offers to open another Iron. It was just so popular at that point. Everyone's always asking us to franchise or why don't you open here? Why don't you open here? And we just knew something so special about that space. I mean, the space really. You know, like I was saying, just really grew into what it was so organically. And we just couldn't imagine taking that and plopping it somewhere else. It would lose that magic, you know, of of going to the actual space, of seeing how we just built into it. And so uh we never really wanted to do that. And then, but then the opportunity for itself of um getting to another stage where we always eat bread with dinner and we no matter how busy we were, we always sat down and had dinner together and we were always buying grocery store bread. We're always eating bread with our food and eating this horrible bread, even though my mom is an amazing cook and we'd have these amazing meals. And we realized there was nowhere in Washington to get good bread. And so the idea for a bake joint came about to do kind of a version of Baked and Wired, selling the same yummy baked goods, but also the main component being the naturally leavened artisanal bread, the way that we've been eating bread and making bread for hundreds and hundreds of years. It just kind of got lost in America at some point once it got realized, and that's where you're getting package underbread, for example. Um, and losing the style of bread that is just so natural to us. Um, that takes a lot of effort, a lot of technique, old world style. And so we decided to do another concept and bring that into it. And that came out of, again a need for what we did to eat. Um and also being able to to have the the baked and wired um foods, but also do that on the other side of town. So that Georgetown and then the new location is really all the way down on the other side of town. And the idea being that now more people can experience the Baked and Wired magic and not have to come really to George's, a very cute little neighborhood, but it's very hard to get to. There's no Metro nearby. Um, It's not really walkable from other places. So uh, this new location was close to all the metros, closer to downtown, Um, just the idea we wanted to make it more accessible to more people. And then the restaurant is actually right next door to a fake joint. So they are in the same neighborhood. Uh, Again, the opportunity just kind of presented itself. This building was going up right next to us and there's a space right next door. And um, we thought we'd just do our first full service restaurant as the next evolution of what we could provide to Washington, D.C.
0: How long has that been open?
1: Uh, The restaurant La Betty has been open for about two years now.
0: Okay, you just reopened recently, right?
1: Yes, yes. We just reopened in the fall, in November.
0: November, okay. Because were you all closed from March till then?
1: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the restaurant is was really going to be a beautiful dine-in experience, still with homey, accessible foods, but the architecture was gorgeous, really meant to really savor the experience of dining in. Um, so we had to close that, whereas the the cafes never closed a day. They, they stayed open the whole pandemic.
0: Okay. And, okay. So you were able to do that because you were able to do a lot of takeout delivery. Things. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. We're lucky with those kinds of businesses. They're already very carry-out friendly. Um, they're all really accessible, yummy treats that were affordable. So I, they really translated well to pandemic of, you know, you might not have the money to, or, or be able to, because it's pandemic go take that trip or yeah. go buy fancy outfit, but you can buy a cupcake, you know, you can spend $4 and you get a cupcake and make yourself feel good after a really crazy, horrible, you know, day, week, year, whatever. So those, those did very well. And the, the restaurant we did have to close, but we are excited to, to reopen it with a new concept.
0: Um, okay. So the re- restaurant you had to close now, do you own this building that you're in?
1: No. No, lease it. We lease the space. It's a residential building and both a Bay Joint and labetti are on the ground floor.
0: OK, so mm-hmm. were you able to um, I mean, you don't have to get into details, but that must be, that was a big challenge. And for a lot of folks was having to close and you've got a, a rent payment and, you know, all this stuff with no revenue coming in. We all were able to get that worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah, we, we have a great relationship with our landlords, uh, because they're the same landlords that were in for a bake joint, which we had a long history of being in at that point, being there for five years, never missing a payment, always being good neighbors. So, you know, they were were generous in giving us a deal. Um, and also um, you know, we're we're very lucky that we have these two other businesses and we're all seeing ownership. So we did Uh, we did supplement Betty and any other bills we could from revenue from the other businesses as well so we were lucky because of that that we already had other businesses to do that and that we had landlords who could be understanding too.
0: Um, Tell me about working together as a family I mean you all have been doing this for a long time Um, you clearly have a tight-knit family you said you ate dinner together all you know every night growing up Um, are there um, I can imagine some of the advantages that that brings, especially with a tight family like you have, are there are there some challenges that come along with that as well?
1: absolutely I mean uh family business you know the the pros are that we we there's so much trust there right we we know we can trust each other with every aspect of the business and anyone who owns a business knows how hard it is to find and especially in in this industry hospitality it's hard to find reliable people you can trust um and so we we've always been lucky to not have to worry about that there's a big trust there um but the challenge is of course I mean you're juggling. family life and the balance of family life with work life and how to not have those interact too much. And so that's been incredibly difficult for us over the years, especially as we've ramped up businesses going from one to two to three, uh, to make sure that there's a work-life separation, you know, so that all of our interactions aren't talking about work or that we're not letting a, a business dispute something that happened at the stores that is, um, Clearly, something that has to do with work, our working relationships spill into our personal relationships. So we struggle with that all the time, even though we've been doing it for years.
0: You know, your, um, your initial location, one of the things you said, which I find to be really interesting, is you've had a lot of people approach you about franchising, growing new concepts, hey, come open one here, which um, I would imagine that's very common for a independently owned, unique special organically grown business like that. The Mm -hmm. the location has to be perfect. Like everything has to match up Mm -hmm. to like to have this alchemy where people know that it's special. And they go, Mm -hmm. you should franchise it. You know, you probably get a lot of you shoulds. But Mm -hmm. the thing I I, what I find really interesting about what you said is, and I admire y'all for this discipline because I think it's hard. I think I would have a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. um, delineating between like our concept and our execution and what we're doing well, Mm -hmm. that's replicatable. And then the aspects that are not replicatable and how, like, where's that balance? Because you, you you see that a decent amount in hospitality where somebody's got like they, you know, lightning in a bottle and that location is crushing it. Then they go to location two and all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute we're doing everything the same here and we're getting half the results or, you know, whatever it is. And and some eventually, you know, don't even, you know, then they close and go back to the first one or whatever. But like, how do you know that? How, how did you, I mean, I know you, you know, you had a sense that it was organic and you get that, but then like, there's gotta be this temptation to, to say, God, we are just really crushing it here. We could just do this, like, you know, pop this thing all over the place and this certain, you know, uh, income income level and certain demographics or whatever around the country, I would imagine that's gotta be pretty tempting.
1: It's so tempting. Um, and we've had some serious pauses and considerations, but I think when you're doing something out of a labor of so much love and passion, it's our yeah. baby. Um, it's, you know, certainly I would say it's my sibling and my parents would say this is their other child. So, um, it's so near and dear to us to the thought of not being able to do it in the way that we would be proud of and be able to, um, execute in the way that our customers are expecting. I think it just outweighed that. It was just a feeling of knowing already that the possibility of not being able to, to give that experience in the exact same way that they can experience at the original location in Georgetown, um, is it was too much of a risk to take on because um, you know, it's the quality of product that we do, of course, but so much of it is the customer service experience. It's really um Hiring the right people, so it's again, you're coming back to how do you find people who, to help with this, to trust, who are gonna hire not someone who's just gonna clock in and clock out, but who's gonna come in and bring a smile and bring their personality and like and love it, and also you know do the little art on the outside and do the chalkboards, and um, you know we're constantly working with staff. I think that's the biggest upkeep to to make it feel unique and special and evolving with the times, and that's how we're here 20 years later. Um, so the idea to franchise, I'm sure it can be done. And, you know, we've, we've done in a way we, we did a new, another location, which does have a similar energy to baked and wired, but I think because we're focusing on something else, the, the pressure came off. And, um, even with that experience, I'll say that, uh, when we were really deep in, in grinding to open a bake joint, um, and we had to kind of let baked and wired sit by itself for a little bit, um, I don't think anyone else would probably notice, but for us, we felt it kind of slack a little bit because it didn't have that constant monitoring. And then we had to go, when joint was okay, go back to Baked Wired. And we're kind of playing that all the time, even with just two locations that are very different of, of, okay, we're focusing on Baked Wired. Okay, Baked Wired's great right now. We feel 100%, staff's amazing, food's amazing. But now, since we've been focusing on that, joint's been slacking a little bit. Now we have to go back to joint. So, you know, just going to franchising, I just, I just can't imagine finding the, someone who could care as much about it as we do, who could franchise it and do it well and execute it well. So I think we just kind of knew that in our heart.
0: You know, it seems like hospitality is one of the, I mean, there's probably others I'm not thinking of right now, but there's not many industries where, There's so much, there can be so much heart and soul Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: love and passion and personal connection to the business that, that becoming successful doesn't uh, almost automatically lead to finding a way to hit the repeat button and then scale that up. Like there's so many other industries where that is just the cycle and it is the business, but hospitality has got this blend of business and love and people and uh, everything from, you know, the the financials to the, the intangible, artistic, passionate part of the business that, you know, it's such a, it's why the hospitality has been around forever. And I think, you know, will be because we need it, we want it. It's in our DNA. Some of us desire to be uh, customers. Often some of us desire to provide that hospitality which you do it's clearly you know in your genes and y'all you know luckily the you know paper started going out when it did and your parents found what their real calling probably is and now raised two children in it because y'all have it in your family clearly but it's such a unique business for that reason i find that's why i find it so interesting talking to folks like you because you find another business owner that's like man we've been doing this and now we've got the, and we're we're nailing it here we figured out the formula there's so many i guess i'm saying there's so few other industries where truly 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 the success is so much it's a lot of variables but it's the people it is the the owner it's the manager it's the staff it's the busser it's the cook it's all this combination of people that really really make it like work And, and that's 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 hospitality
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You have to love people. um, And you have to just be passionate about it. And that's what I love about it, too. And I think it's been interesting going through the pandemic where, yes, you can get delivery. um, And we have had to offer that but still people are coming and they're doing carryout. You know, they're waiting six feet apart from each other outside in the snow, in the rain, just to even come in, have that personal experience, see all of the bars and the cupcakes and see the people and see their favorite barista and say hi, um, because it matters, you know, and I think it's, it's not going away. It's even more important now than ever. And it's, um, and that's why, you know, I do it. And I think a lot of people relate to that. It's, for me, as someone who I love food, um, I cook, I bake. I'm not necessarily in the back there cooking everything, but what I love about food for me and drink is it's just such a primal, you know, human connector. Um, so we all need to eat and drink at a certain point, and it's just such an easy, accessible way for us to make uh, human connection, make memories, make experiences. And so, you know, for us, for me, I feel like I'm not just giving you here's your cupcake and you know, get out of here. It's, I'm providing you the opportunity to have an experience, to have a human connection, to have, to have, um, you know, something new happen in your day to learn something. And I think that's probably why we all do it because we're really here as vessels for the human experience. Um, and it's really, really cool. It's a, it's a really, especially my business with, with baked goods, you know, you see, I'm seeing birthdays, I'm seeing, we're making wedding cakes. We're seeing then that couple who got, married then bring their kid in and have their first birthday cake for them then we're seeing their anniversary cake you know we've been open for long enough to see how important this food is for making their memories and how central it is for them so um that's what keeps it going because as you know it's a tough business um it's not scalable necessarily um it's a lot of hours it's never going to be a lot of money uh but you do it because you're you love it and probably you're a little crazy.
0: Well, if it makes you smile, like you. I think it's you're doing the right thing because uh, you're, you know, <laughs> you're, you know. Uh, but yeah, you gotta have. I mean, it's it's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So okay, the so a bake joint in La Bette, you're below residential, so you've got. Did, did you have a? I mean, I'm just trying to think through this because there's such all these weird, unique situations in the pandemic, but. I mean, you had to have had a lot of people that probably eventually, you know, in the mornings got up, maybe they got their coffee or bread or whatever, and they went to work. And then you kind of lose mm-hmm. a lot of those folks when they must have been around for a lot more. Would that yeah, right? it's
1: interesting. We, what was great about the location we chose for Big Joint is that. We are under all these residential buildings and, and promise for an, a lot of new buildings to come up, but we're also near um, university. We are near a lot of office buildings as well, cause we're kind of near downtown. We're near the convention center, meaning that'd be a lot of tourists. So um, there was an interesting trade-off where then we were getting all the people who normally would have left for work or gone wherever, were staying here, um, but we were losing the office people. We were losing the students, we were losing the tourists. And so even with that for us, I think because this, being so, so lucky that we chose this neighborhood, we actually didn't, we, we were able to keep the same amount of business of Mm -hmm. revenue actually. And I think it's exactly that it's, it's the, it's because the residents were staying there and hunkering down.
0: Man, did you ever have a, well, you must've, I mean, it was there times like in March, April, where you were just going, holy cow, what are we going to do?
1: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was just changing so quickly. Right. So it was, um, it was just head spinning of trying to, to make sure we were doing the right thing on any given day. And we're dealing now, we have three locations. We're dealing with, you know, over a hundred people on staff. So making sure that they're safe, making sure all the communication is being relayed to them, making sure, um, you know, as leaders going through that, that we can convey a sense of calm and a sense of it's going to be okay. We got this to, you know, people who were all scared. We don't know what it means in a pandemic as an essential worker. We don't know how that's us. Um, to to you know we're lucky we never had to fire someone we had a lot of people leave though voluntarily who did not feel safe coming into work who had who lived with someone who's immunocompromised who you know so supporting those people as well and then figuring out how we're going to make a schedule work with half the amount of people who like so yeah it was it was a wild time but I think as most people might report you know who've been able to survive it's um and still very hard, but we are also stronger for it. And this, the crew we have now, who stayed with us through the pandemic, we are super tight. Like they are family. They're family before, but just going through that experience together has has made us stronger in a lot of ways too.
0: Isn't it weird how these things that are unanticipated, seemingly negative—well, not not seemingly—these unanticipated mm-hmm. negative events, and particularly something like this, is so high impact and sudden. So, uh, while scary and daunting, it really does. Uh, when you get to the other side, you're I mean, our company, you know, we're better for it. Everybody we serve that's, that's made it is better. There's some folks that didn't for a lot that didn't, unfortunately. Um, but the, hopefully they'll, something will happen that they would have never anticipated, you know, and maybe they'll come up with a new concept who knows, but it is interesting how, uh, you rebound from these things and you're, you're wiser, you're better prepared for the next, you know, hopefully uh not anytime (laughs) you know you're better prepared for something like that or some big shock um Mm -hmm. that that, you know you you never thought would happen um the um oh let me ask you this before I forget Mm -hmm. this is a more of a personal interest thing but I'm kind of fascinated with this whole thing with bread. okay Mm -hmm. so help me out like I know that uh like back in like what was it like the 70s when they came out with like this two foot high yield wheat product that you know mm-hmm. scientists came out with like it really changed our bread a lot I think but I don't I mean I'm, I know enough to be dangerous but it seems like I've read enough to, to to know that like it really changed maybe that's why a lot of people have issues with bread or gluten I don't know but um what, tell me about that, because I'm always looking for, like, I found a bakery here in uh Waxhall, mm-hmm. Virtuoso Bakery, and oh my gosh, they've got this sourdough that is just off the charts. It's so good, and she was telling me about, I don't know, whatever the way they produce it or whatever. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's a long, slow process, but, like, it's not, like, a lot of the breads you buy on the shelves, and you, you reference this, it's, it's mm-hmm. uh, is that different type of, core ingredients and what you would use in your bakery or is it just processed in a different way
1: yeah absolutely it's both so um the main issue in the u.s why why bread it we don't see a lot of the types of bread or or bread is um not as healthy as say like if you go to france or europe is exactly what you said it's the the wheat that we've grown has been is is so that we can make very American, so we can, you know, make as much of it as cheap as possible, right? Um, so with that, with that kind of wheat, we're really undercutting the the beauty of of what we can do for our system and for our, our dietary system. So that is one of the factors in why bread has actually turned out to be you know considered so bad for us. It's actually not all bread, it's this type of bread. That's where you're getting gluten intolerance, um, that's where you're getting celiac, it's that plus while they were with paired with that while they're trying to speed up bread production um, they're skipping over a lot of the process that we would need in order to make a, what we call a naturally leavened sourdough bread. So naturally leavened bread is actually naturally fermented. So you're putting the the bread in the water out, uh, the flour in the water, and then it's absorbing the, the bacteria from the air. And that's, what's making it naturally rise, which takes a long time. It's a long, slow process. Anyone in the pandemic who's tried to make bread, because that was fun, I think quickly learned that it is a, it is not fun. <laughs> I mean it is if you're into it but it's very scientific it takes a long time um and so a, a way to get around that is to add yeast and so when we compare naturally leavened bread to like bread in a supermarket that usually has yeast to it um yeast makes it so it doesn't have to naturally ferment yeast makes it rise automatically you don't even have to worry about it so um th- there was that happening plus adding preservatives so so bread in the supermarket that's packaged has a lot of preservatives. So Adding uh, specifically all that yeast to our bread and then eating a lot of bread is what's also causing people to get sick. Um, actually, naturally leavened bread and how it breaks down in your system is good for your digestion. Um, but we have haven't done that in America in a large scale for. 100 years, you know, and that's why you see when you go to Europe, you're like, how are they not fat? And how are they? How do they not all have gluten intolerance or celiac and they're not gluten free everywhere you go? It's because they're eating the proper wheat, and they're having naturally risen bread, even though they're having bread every single day. So it's so interesting talking about it and learning about it myself, too, because, um, we, it's just unheard of in, in the States and it's slowly coming back. And that's why it's so special when you find a little bakery like the one in your hometown that really takes all of that effort to not only make the bread, but sourcing heirloom grains, sourcing organic, which is very difficult to do in the U.S., um, you know, there's some farms that that do this, but it's, it's expensive. So it's expensive. It's hard to find. Um, and that's why then you're getting a loaf of bread or some people who don't understand the process. You're like, why is this loaf of sourdough $8? I don't understand. I can buy a loaf of bread for 150 at the supermarket. Well, when you think about all the grains, the manual labor that went into it and the whole process, it took, you know, 48 hours for that bread to get made for you. That's why but it's yeah. better for you. And it tastes better, right? Like it's getting all these natural yummy ingredients into it with just water and flour and some, and some grain, that's it. And, um, and it, it is, it just tastes better. So <laughs> it it's well, it's totally an education.
0: It tastes better. It's better for you. If you. I mean, I'll take, I'll pay the premium for the, for the bread, uh, to, uh, avoid the, you know, long-term, healthcare costs oh. that you incur when you're eating crappy stuff and dealing with mm-hmm. all this you know all these uh all these sicknesses that come along with that so um yeah that stuff is really good i like it a lot you know there is okay so there's a there's a guy um that he was like he was overweight and he was trying to figure out a good way to lose weight and he was like yeah but you know, like diets, like you go on a diet and you lose your weight and you're like, oh, I'm going to reward myself. And then you gain it. But like, so he's like, what, like, why do these people, and he's a chef and he was spent time in France. He may have gone to the Cordon Bleu or something, I don't know. but anyway, the point is he's like, nobody over there's overweight. Like, I, I don't get it. They're eating all this bread. Mm-hmm. They're having you know, all that. Like, what is the deal? So the dude does the math or does, studies the science and He's like, "Okay, he comes up with something called the croissant diet." I kid you not. Like you can go <laughs> He has That's a my blog. kind of diet. Yeah, he has a I can't remember what his blog's called, but if you google the croissant diet, you'll <laughs> find it. So, it was a combination of like the the certain amount of uh, uh fat from like grass-fed grain uh grass-fed uh, grass-finished uh, butter, stearic <laughs> acid and like really good quality bread he uh he start i mean like literally i'm not joking like this guy was eating basically very high end uh croissants butter stearic acid and he lost like a lot of weight doing that like it's because that's of the quality
1: awesome. of i had to yeah, look that up
0: the ingestion of it all that stuff you were talking it's really cool and he has all the evidence too like the photo evidence he has like the timeline and him like that's it's, incredible
1: I want wow. to do it, but everything I
0: do, it, I'm like, it seems so odd. i like, we, I just can't wrap my mind around it, but I mean... I can't be there. Yeah, but that's because of how, it's like you said, like, we're Americans, so we're like, that's just not, you know, we're not yeah. programmed to think like that, and uh, we don't see that, and it's just so odd that you're like, it seems un- unreal, but I'll tell you, it worked. Because,
1: yeah, I believe it. I mean, if you're using real butter, and it's it's a real, it's a it's a laminated dough. It's been taking all the care that got into it. That's definitely gonna be better for you than like some, you know, granola bar or bowl of cereal that's claiming to be like a diet. I, I I believe that actually, especially in comparison to what you might be eating and, and how people now market their food. They're like, look at this, this is the healthy choice cereal or this is the healthy choice bread. And it's not the healthy choice bread. They just put healthy on it because they can. Um, and so it's confusing to people. They don't know what's real.
0: No, so absolutely that
1: makes sense agree. to me. I would love to eat a croissant every day. And actually I try to at most days. So I believe you it. Should.
0: There you go. I mean, <laughs> yours are working okay, That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, get you some some uh some good butter and, and uh fry it up. Absolutely. That, Ooh. Good um, butter okay, so. is okay. Oh man, I love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um okay. So you um so we got through 2020. Uh mm-hmm. you got a couple of locations now or three locations, uh two geographic locations. What's uh you've like as you settle in going into 2021, what are you excited about for this this coming year?
1: Wow, great question. I mean, I'm excited to see all of our friendly faces again. Um oh, sorry, ambulance. Um you know, we we've built so many regular customers and we've maintained a lot of them. A lot of people stayed in DC, a lot of people, you know, we get to see every single day, but there's so many people that we were seeing, so many regular customers who were office workers, you know, who were coming into that neighborhood every single day. And we saw them, we knew their drink, you know, we we were able to talk. So I miss them. You know, I'm really excited to have have the the students back, have the new young fresh faces come in, have the new generation of, of regular customers come in. So I think it's all about the people. I'm really looking forward to getting that aspect back and seeing them sitting there and walking around the dining room and at, at Bay Joint, which we have um, like 60 seats at Bay Joint. We have a, a a large location there, um, and being able to just be like, oh, hey, hey, how are you? Like, it was always such a social, fun time. And now, of course, we see them, it's a quick hello, it's a mask, and it's, here's your food, and bye, you know, because it's all takeout. So I'd say I'm really looking forward to things opening up in that way, and and really being able to see all of our favorite friends around Washington, D.C. again.
0: Um, You know, Tessa, so we've been doing this, like, 12 years at schedule fly and, uh, um, 10 years ago, we put out our first book, uh, our first restaurant owners on court book, which was like, we shared the stories of 20 different successful owners that we were lucky to serve. And I had the hardest time. This is just 10 years ago, 10 or 12, 10 or 11 years ago. I had the hardest time finding, we were a smaller business into, and I was only talking to customers, but I had a hard time finding female owners of successful Mm. hospitality businesses. Now, not a not an issue at all. They're everywhere. Um, It's wonderful to see. And it's been a really interesting and positive transition in this industry, not just with a lot more women running businesses in this space. But I think that the uh, the cult, the climate of the industry mm-hmm. for so many years, for decades, was mm-hmm. work hard, play hard, uh, male dominated, um, uh, sex, drugs, mm-hmm. un- unhealthy behaviors that were mm-hmm. uh, just accepted as that's what we do in this industry. And that's really changed a lot. And, and it has, you know, I'm, I know a lot of ways to go, but um, I'm just curious. From what I just said, like, what do you think about all that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I grew up watching the industry. I I was lucky to have my mother as a role model, a very strong but loving woman um, who was able to you know really lead a team and i and i looking back i saw the troubles of that you know of of how she'd really have to kind of turn into her masculine in order to get respect and listened to by some staff um and now i do think it's changed and i um i i think you know one reason of that when i look back is definitely the me too movement and just seeing you know first and foremost how really exposing how toxic most restaurants and food establishments are and that comes from you know a lot of toxic male dominance with with aggressive behavior with not necessarily sexually assaulting women but but demeaning aggressive behavior that's now coming out um and I think there's there's space and there's respect for a more feminine approach to lead and when I say feminine I don't mean just female leaders I mean um, men, tuning into that femininity as well, listening to people, respecting people, kind of, um, having more of an empathy for your staff and understanding. And so that's what I was, you know, lucky enough to, to really see and be raised in. And then really, as I've gotten older and turned, you know, into more of a leader myself, been able to really embrace, and that's okay to really, um, and for all my fellow female leaders out there as well, for us to really embrace our, um, are our, our feminine capabilities as leaders which i always think you're just always going to run a better team when you're empathetic you're understanding um you know and i think direct for sure but not yelling not toxic not blaming not belittling not. You know, making people work 80 hours on their feet in front of a hot stove and breaking them down to the point that they just don't know how to do anything else. So um, I talk about this all the time, I talk about this with with um, young women who are looking to start their own businesses as well, that this is our era and it's so cool to see it um, really start to blossom in the last few years. I'm really excited um, and that's another thing I guess I'll say I'm very excited about in, in this year. I think as sadly a lot of businesses have had to close, at the same time, we're in a genesis of new businesses that are opening. I think women who've been sitting at home during COVID and maybe got laid off from their job or cooking at home and they're going to open the next place. We're going to have a whole new generation of of amazing food establishments that I think will more and more be female run um, because now there's the space for it, you know? And I think they're going to come in with those really valued leadership skills. And I think the whole industry is in for, uh, revitalization i'm i'm more excited for that you know in the next year two three four years as i is seeing all this these new badass women come into play or in badass men but taking on a more feminine kind of approach and in revitalizing industry um you know sadly of course it's been horrible to See all these places close and and the a lot of places that have closed have been probably also very toxic, masculine dominated, sit down, fancy, fancy restaurants who are not coming back, at least not in that capacity. It just does not fly. I think now that people have taken a break as well, um, people who've worked in these industries, I imagine they're going to take some time right now and think, is this what I want to do? Go back and be yelled at by some mean man who's on a power trip while I work my ass off? No, like I'm going to do something else. So Anyway, I'm just super excited to see what happens. And I think we're in for a really crucial shift in this industry.
0: Love it. Uh, yeah, I think you're spot on about that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that uh, I wanna ask you about that, I, I think it's it's becoming uh, more a topic of conversation in your industry is, uh, it's in line with that, but it's self-care. I'm curious about mm. you know finding that balance because balance leads to sustainability. Um, and so many folks in the industry for so long you know, work so hard for so long, they, they burn out or they, you know, die early of a heart attack or have issues with substance abuse and stuff like that. So we're hearing a lot more, like there's a lot more support in the industry now for substance abuse. Um, mm-hmm. Things like Ben's friends and a lot of good organizations. And then, uh, but there's also, I'm hearing a lot more folks like yourselves that are owners that are, are learning to, find time for themselves. Cause I mean, that's so important. Like the basics, right? Like sleep, <laughs> nutrition, mm-hmm. exercise, you know, meditation, mm-hmm. prayer, whatever, however you get your fix there. Like, tell me about that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think our business is a little different. We've always really valued our staff and we've always, since we are a family business, we've always treated our staff as family. So we treat them in the way that we ourselves would want to be treated, or we would actually treat our own children or our own nieces, nephews, cousins. So we've always kept it. People don't work more than 40 hours. We always give them two days off in a row, um, unless it's been discussed that that's okay for some reason. Um, always have schedules out, uh, thanks to schedule fly, uh, two weeks in advance. Um, so that you can know what your schedule is and plan your life. And we, we think that is so important because, not only is it good for them it's self-care it's also for a business you know they're going to come back recharge refresh they're going to be a hundred percent on there's going to be less mistakes they're going to be friendly um and they're going to be happy they are going to be skipping work you know and they're going to be they're going to be there to really put it all this is an industry where you have to we expect a lot from people who work in this industry not only do you have to be precise and organized and um and hardworking, but you also have to be friendly. You have to be a good leader. You have to be cooperative. There's a lot we expect. And so we we've always gone on the side of taking care of our staff um, because it not only makes us feel better as us being good citizens and good business owners, but also business wise, it makes them come back and actually do their job better and stay with us longer. As your point of burning out, they don't burn out. We have a lot of people who stayed with us for, you stay with us at a time for three, four, five, you know, we have some people who have been with us for over 15 years at this point. Um, so it, it works at least in our, in our business, uh, to, to really take care of your staff and value that self-care and, um, you know, and, and even on that and always have the door open to have a conversation. Are you having a bad day? Is something going on in your life right now? Like, do you need a couple days off? That's always been part of the equation. And, um, and yeah, I hope the more, more companies are and businesses are starting to see the value of that, especially in such stressful times, because it's, it's tough. And anyone who's worked in this industry, um, which I've always joked should be a requirement that you should be forced to work six months, um, in food service as a citizen, wow. <laughs> you would be a much better person. You understand the amount of work that goes into it and, um, how important it is to take care of yourself.
0: Yeah, I felt like that for a long time. That if you um, if you can if you can serve people, if you can do what you have to do to work in a restaurant and balance all the all the balls that you have to balance at one time, and, and keep your game face on, and be be courteous and be kind when people sometimes are not having their their best day as customers, and if you can do all that, I, I, those are transferable skills to uh, you're not gonna have mm-hmm. to do more of that in any other industry than you would in, in hospitality. Um, but the funniest thing about this is I want I wanted to know how you, Tessa, focus on self-care. But you are such a uh, good hospitality person that you're always thinking about your staff and your people. So you immediately thought uh, that's what which is very important. It was actually the next thing I was gonna ask. But I want to know about mm-hmm. you, but you're see, so it's like the airplane, right? Like you're with your kid. You're you already said mm-hmm. this is like and and the oxygen things come down you know what do you got to do is you want to put it on your kid but you got to put it on you so then you can take care of your kid right so what do you do yeah. other than going on nice awesome girls uh, trips up to us <laughs> what else do you do to stay so um, healthy and
1: all that? I see yeah yeah i mean it's hard to get a mindset because you're you really do to be a good leader. Like you, you got to take care of your people first. So you can relax. But I think, you know, for me, I, um, I've always been into to fitness as a as a way to blow off steam and to meditate. So I've always done yoga. Um, you know, my hardest days at the bakery. Um, I was just like, okay, gotta go. Like I gotta go take a yoga class, you know, just to really, I gotta put my phone in the other room. It's off. You can't call me for an hour. And I just got to mellow out and meditate. Um, so that's probably been my biggest thing. And, and also I think what's been hard, um, for all of us and certainly for me, but I I took, it took a while to find my groove in it is find, you know, friends and activities outside of the business. It's so tempting to, to make it your whole life, but I've noticed that that is actually bad for everyone in the long term. So it's, you know, going out on a date night, it's um, going away for a weekend when you can, it's, um, you know, taking a trip. Um, those things are so important as, as leaders and owners to um, to to make it and to not go crazy you know <laughs> um and take care of yourself um so yeah for me in the daily it's it's definitely it's definitely like yoga, meditation, exercise, um, is more my like wellness approach. And then beyond that, it's always been, it's, it's been seeing friends. It's going dancing one night a week. It's, you know, it's taking a trip when I can it's, um, it's cooking at home for myself, you know, really like making my own meal, even though I could go to the bakery and, and, or the kitchen and someone could make me something, um, and I could eat there every single night. So just finding the other things in your life that make you happy and make you feel fulfilled beyond the restaurant, even um, it's so tempting to make that because it is a lot of your life.
0: Yeah. Especially when you care about it so much, mm-hmm. it's hard to separate yourself from it. Uh, I'm glad you've got yeah. that good balance perspective though. That's so, I think that's so important. Um, do you, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to take a lot more of your time while I could talk to you all day, but do you have, um, like any hospitality related organizations or groups that you participate in? Like, I mean, like this IRC came up from all this. And I think like some of the folks are there in DC that were part of getting that going or like, how else are you connected in the industry?
1: Good question. I mean, no formal organizations. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm part of like our, our business improvement districts always, it's always been important whenever we open open a new business to get involved with our business, our bids and our SIDS to make sure, um, you know, we can be available for the neighborhood and, and be tuned to what's going on. We're part of the restaurant organization. So we can get, which has been great during COVID to just get any updates on vaccines on, you know, paid time off on all these nitty gritty things. So those have been great. But beyond that, it's just connected to our communities, connected to other restaurants and cafes and businesses that we love and having a good rapport with them is so important. That's, that's not necessarily an official organization, but just having a pulse and being able to be supportive to other people. Um, and yeah, certainly open to more organizations. If you if you know of any other good ones, but well, you
0: know, we've kept we're pretty old school. I'll tell you what. Uh, what I'm thinking, I'd be curious your thoughts on this. We we can talk more offline sometime. But uh, you and I'm I'm just thinking of maybe ten to twelve other uh, successful women in this industry that I really respect that are scattered around the country. Um, Like I I, I talk to you and I immediately start thinking of other female owners that have the same positive, uh, optimistic, um, strong leadership style with a desire for, you know, women to, like you said, that it's your era. Like I'm trying to figure out there's value in some sort of loosely connected organization that we can help facilitate conversations for y'all to share ideas uh, and become you know a inspirational group in some way um, for that next generation i don't know what that is if it's a recurring you know monthly zoom or like i just i don't know, i like to connect people so i'm just trying to find ways to connect folks like you that share philosophies with people like you would never meet like Karen Hoskin at Montana Distillers out in Crested Butte, Colorado, there's a rum distillery out there. Um, um, Emily Blunt at St. Leo down in Oxford, Mississippi. Like all these ladies are Ashley Christensen in there in Raleigh. Like I just have so much respect for y'all and I think y'all would enjoy each other, but I don't know. I'm just.
1: I would love that. I <laughs> think that would be great. Yeah. It's rare for me to, have community in food, especially with women in food across state lines. So I think that'd be really cool to see. And I think that's where, you know, I talk about this too, like, especially in this industry, it's not like you can just Google what to do about this problem I have, you know, in most industries, I'm, I'm I know it's the same. You really, you have to have a community and you have to, you have to be able to ask questions and accept help. And, um, and I've been on that stage now in my, this own, this other of, of trying to connect with even more people to, to just figure out how together. And it's, I think this is also a very great feminine trait is, is collaboration and not, and not competition. You know, we're not competing against each other. We're all doing this together. We're all in this world together. How can we help? So uh, that would be wonderful. Well, I would love to figure that out with you. Sign me up.
0: John, we'll do it. We'll do it. We're going to make it happen. Oh. I think it'd be really cool. Um awesome. I would love to just facilitate and just listen and learn from y'all. Well, listen, I've, I've had you long enough. I really appreciate it. This is so cool. I I knew I would enjoy speaking with you. Uh, I had high expectations. You've even exceeded them. So I just really appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Thank you. you, Will. everything. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. It was super fun. Kind of got got me all energized to keep, Keep doing this for you know another few decades. So
0: <laughs> love it. Uh, thank care. you. Tell your brother and your folks hello and thank uh, y'all for the business and tell your team we love them. And uh, I got some uh, I got some merch um, hats and stuff like that. I'm gonna shoot up y'all's way. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Will.
1: Yeah. It's been so awesome. What has been like six or seven years? We've been with you at this point. I mean, it's wild.
0: We really appreciate it. And you just,
1: you make everything so much easier. I mean, we, we were using paper Excel sheets on the back of a fridge until we found like this is the first and the only online scheduling platform we've ever used. So, um, it makes things so much easier, especially in the pandemic when we were changing schedules every two seconds and and so thank you it's it's such a game changer for our business
0: y'all while we're here and we don't serve any chains mm. or anything like that so it's all y'all independent people out there that we just love so much so thank you uh thanks for everything and uh i will i will definitely be in touch about um trying to figure the idea out
1: cool thank you will bye bye, bye.